for welcoming to the program here on Below the Belt Show. Um, he's a comedian. He's an author. He's a former SNL writer. He's a four-time cancer survivor. Wow, the list goes on and on. Glenn Rockowitz. Hey, Glenn. Thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you great. <laughs> I Welcome apologize. To TV. <clears throat> How's it going? Great, great. Yeah, it looks like we're in the same uh, loft in New York City. We are. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I love Maybe it. We can, we can have a pillow fight if you want. <laughs> I'm over here. Uh, how are you, Glenn? Um, yeah, so we're having you here to promote an awesome um, memoir. This is your second memoir called Cotton Teeth. Yeah. And I, when I first saw the title, I'm like, wow, I'm thinking like, you know, cotton mouth because you're smoking too much weed. <laughs> so, I mean, that would be a much better book. I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> I was curious about the title and, and, and obviously it's, it's more of your, um, your account of, of your, um, your heartbreaking joy, uh, of, of being a cancer survivor and dealing with cancer, both you and, and your father. So, uh, Cottonmouth. Yeah, tell us about the title. <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> well, it's it's a it's a huge bummer. So I'll, we can we can segue away from that uh, soon. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, <clears throat> basically the the nutshell version is when I was 28. I'm from New York, and when I was 28, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had no symptoms, and uh, they were giving me three months. And this was at the time my wife was eight and a half months pregnant. Um, so I didn't tell her because I didn't want her to freak the fuck out. Um, uh, during, eight during pregnancy, yeah, yeah, like two weeks away. And um, so I went and told my dad in Boston and uh, he, who was a devout atheist, he prayed and asked God to give him cancer so that I would survive. And seven days later, which is, Totally coincidence because he had not been feeling well for like a year. He was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer and also given three months. So <clears throat> basically, the the book covers the last three months of his life. Spoiler alert: I didn't die. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people wish I did. <laughs> come sure. to us as a force ghost. But, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, figured they would they would have left me with my 28 year old body would have been much better. <laughs> Instead of my the current C cup that I'm sporting now. Um, yeah, what, so, what determines what you look like when you come back? That's a great question, right? Do you get right? go in that? Do you get you know? I think that's a legit like fair question to ask because like when you die, are you wearing that outfit forever? Right. right. We get we get old Obi Wan, but then we get twenty something Anakin who's all like, yeah, this is bullshit. I'd be bent out of shape if I came back an old crippled Force ghost. It's like I look much better. Everybody needs to for all time. I looked great. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree, man. Like, it makes me jealous of like, you know, uh, like James Dean and stuff. Like, if you're gonna die in a car crash or whatever, better that you're looking good when you do, right? Then, right. you know, See, than like Danny DeVito or something. Not, you God forbid. Like, I know I still love. Uh, but you blew it by with... surviving four times. You could have gone out young and good looking, but now you just <laughs> kicking the can down the road, old man. Fucker, you're, gonna, man. <laughs> you're lowering your own stock. <laughs> no, I'm just an old fucker getting gray, man. I so, really, I should have taught myself. But since you mentioned four times, by the second, third, and fourth, are you yeah. getting um, increasingly stressed and worried? Because you know. Um. <clears throat> By the, you mean the third or fourth cancer? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you know the at the time there was no treatment for the kind of cancer that I have. It had a really low survival rate. Um, but I got into a clinical trial in London, 
Um, and I didn't have any money because I was a comedian. So, uh, but my doctor, uh, <clears throat> actually, he was a friend of mine. So he paid for me to go over there and get treatment. And it actually put me into remission. Um, and it saved my life. But the, but it was like a clinical trial. So they were experimenting on me um, with massive amounts of injected radiation. So, um, so I suspect that those cancers that I've had since are a result of getting scorched. Cause I lost like, like 35 pounds in 18 days or something like that. Oh, wow. It, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. So the, the book, this, uh, cotton teeth book, um, yeah. chronicles all four bouts. Um, no, just, this covers just the, just the first one. I got to make room for the series. Oh, the series. So we're talking four books. <laughs> exactly. One per bout. One book yeah. Per <clears throat> Trying to make it into a TV series. So I think I need like eight more to make it a full season. There you yeah, go. You, you're going to Harry Potter this thing. Yeah. <laughs> the whole franchise. That, that is interesting. So, so um, this, this is something that you're seriously want to shop for a possible adaptation? Um, no, no, but my, no. But, okay. but my, my first, uh, my first book was option to be a movie and that was a trip. Yes. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. That was a, that was a trip. That was like a weird, weird experience to have somebody take your life and, and turn it into something, but, but more so that you get a script and then you read the script. Like, and when I got the script, mm-hmm. the, like my dad was like a coal miner and he never got sick. And like to me, the whole thing of the book was like the two of us are sick together. He right. doesn't make it. Like I, I'm losing my father while I become a father. I feel like there's a whole, you know. I actually got a call about my remission at his funeral. Like the timing was insane. So I feel like, I feel wow. like, you know, it's it's already pretty fucked up. You, I don't know why you'd want to make it less fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any creative control with that uh did you were you able to be like fuck this this is you guys missed the whole point or no <clears throat> i didn't and and that was because uh the director um i had met the director through i was making commercials for t-mobile um in advertising and uh, he was one of the directors we hired and he's a really funny commercial director but also went through a similar experience with his dad and we met about, he read the book and he was like, I have to make this movie. And I said, I don't want this to be a movie, but if anyone's going to make it, I'm, I'm totally okay with you doing it. Cause I know you understand. And, right. uh, and then, you know, they hired a screenwriter who's the sweetest guy in the world and a talented writer, but he just had a different idea for what, uh, that was going to be. Um, and so, and, and to answer your question, I, I was I, like because it was him i just i i was like no i trust you it's good like i you know i didn't expect <laughs> i didn't expect a rewrite of of my life you know that way so especially when your story is so powerful and thank you I, I it seems like it's it's already a movie right so why why rewrite it and there was like a part that was a musical and i was like mm, i don't know about that <laughs> I mean, for real. And I was like, mm. if if you were casting this movie, who would you want to play the 28 year old version of yourself? Well, you know, it's funny that when the book when the book came out, someone asked me that question at a book signing. Yeah. And, and I said, uh, I said, well, Gary Coleman, and <laughs> and they, and then the the crowd was like, ooh, and I was like, what? <laughs> and apparently, he died that day. 
Oh, no. <laughs> and you didn't know that at the time. No, it's like my, it was like my go-to joke because it's like, I really can't, I don't know who would play me. And I was like, well, he's an obvious, you know, we, we no, no lookalike there, you know? And, uh, and so I just said that and it was just like, ooh. And I'm like, what? And they're like, he died today. I was like, oh, right. shit. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Immediately hopped on Twitter. I swear to God, I didn't know. <laughs> Put your guns down. Put them all down. Yeah. Just doing. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get back to the cotton teeth yeah. reference of the title? Yeah. How that, that came about? Um, the the term come it comes from a quote from Tom Robbins, who said uh, one of his characters in the book said, "May the jaws of death have cotton teeth." And uh, I like yes. it felt appropriate for all of the and all the work that I've done since working. Yes, with. that's a good analogy. So because they clearly had because you're still you know, four times you're getting eaten by cotton teeth. Yeah, that, that, exactly. Uh, wow. Going through it, you know, like that if that it just is the least amount of pain as possible and the least amount of suffering, obviously. interesting wow that is that is uh wow compelling very very compelling very compelling um but um you can get this book um all your favorite bookstores retailers yes amazon barnes and nobles indeed all the in all the indie bookstores as well you can get the book see the movie (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, They're gonna do like a like a Tupac thing with Gary Coleman, where they have like the, the hologram. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, so, I, so so again, uh, Rodeo and Juliet. Juliet is uh, the first memoir. That you, yeah. Okay. So this is your your first first bout of cancer. Yeah, that was that was the one that I was talking about that they made that they optioned to be a movie. Right. This is just kind of this is a, a companion piece to it. This new book is is kind of like about the last like a really like intimate look of the last three months uh, with my with, dad, with your father. Wow. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Wow. So, wow. Just, and it's inspirational because I know I'm sure a lot of, of folks, survivor cancer, uh, you know, survivors of cancer and uh, people that are, um, you know, that, that, yeah. I mean, it, could this be a book that would inspire or just give some hope to, to those battling cancer? Day. I I, def, I definitely think so, and <clears throat> like ever ever since I've been doing uh, this basically pro bono clinical advocacy for newly diagnosed young patients, like right. basically helping them understand like how the system works and what the tests mean and all that stuff. Because I went through it alone, and and it was fucking terrifying. And so yeah, no. uh, yeah I mean exactly, it's like who's gonna know? all there and there's so much to know and you know and you have to really advocate for yourself so um so i i've been doing that you know work ever since and that takes up most of my days and since the book came out you know a few of the patients that i work with um have read it and were like they 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 felt like it was very um they gave them hope you know like you know because i say to them look they were i was supposed to be dead a long time ago you know, and and uh, you know, I, we're gonna we're gonna work together to try to make sure that you're that you stick around too. You know, so. Wow. That's incredible. Got some questions for you. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm in your camp. I'm on borrowed time. Um, oh, okay. Uh, want- wouldn't cancer though, but like I was supposed to die at 27. Didn't 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 do it's great. 
how important do you think you can't bury the lead like that now i want to know but but that, I, yeah but but then i'm that guy that like tries to trump your story with my own story no yeah like no no no. <laughs> no no i want i want to hear but that's fine if you, yeah. we could, yeah. how important do you think a sense of humor was to you getting through the, pro- the process yeah that's a good one I mean, it was a it was a huge part of it for me. Huge, huge part of it. I mean, it's always been a huge part of my life, just surviving, you know, life and shitty whatever. Right. Uh, but especially with this, because I think if I wasn't able to like make jokes out of things, uh, you know, I would have never stopped crying. I would certainly would have given up hope, you know. Um, yeah. And so there was a part of me, you know, and and the books like there's a lot of very dark humor in the books mm-hmm. um and it's been interesting because like when uh, when the first book came out 10 years ago it it was very well received in terms of the humor stuff people going well that was fucked up but i can understand because he was dying you know and now culture has changed so much that like the first review I got was like a big, like, I didn't like this book trigger warning. He talks about cancer. He talks about death. He talks about the, you know, and, and I was like, fuck man. What did they expect going in? I, exactly. It's, it was such a weird fucking bizarre, you know? And, and it's like, and it's I've seen several reviews now, like on Goodreads and whatever, where people say the same thing. Like they don't give it a bad review, but they but they're like, you should be warned. Like and one of them said one of them said uh, mentioned slavery. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I had, I had to like go into the book and look at it. And it's like, oh, right. Because at one point I was in chemo next to this dude who was a total racist piece of shit. And we were not like we were really clashing and, and and one of the things that he said was like he made some slur about the black nurse but like mm. put that in context like yeah. it's not like i you know it's like hey i have cancer also can we bring back slavery what's that's that was awesome you know like <laughs> it's such a weird thing like uh to, to put a trigger warning about that you know yeah. and, and i'm even making it sound more extreme than it was because i didn't even I don't think I even said it explicitly, but the whole point was that this guy that I was, you know, you don't know who you're going to get stuck with in these situations and you're there for hours and hours. And I'm next to this guy I fucking hated. Um, And, you know, so I, I just made it my point to make his life miserable along with, (laughs) you know, making him miserable, but, but like the, to this whole series of trigger warnings, it's, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like it feels like we're we're trying to protect people from everything about life. And yeah, especially and, when the synopsis of your book is it's there. If um, yeah. if that's going to be a trigger, then by right. just reading the synopsis, you exactly. would think that would be enough, right? It'd be yeah. like a guy guy diagnosed with cancer. Trigger warning. This thing had cancer in it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, how, what point have we gotten to a society is if people feel comfortable policing your account of your own brush with death that you didn't deal yeah. with your own pain and mortality in a manner yeah. that was suitable enough for that? <laughs> that was so, so well put. I could not agree more. Could not what agree is your uh, prognosis uh, now, and how is your health now? 
Um, health is health is kind of uh, it's stable at the moment. Knock wood. Um, you know, I'm dealing with another cancer, but I'm you know oh. determined determined to get through it. And um, you know, uh, I have I'm I'm living my life as though not not in denial. I'm you know I'm I'm taking care of everything, but I'm I'm living it as though I'm I'm going to live. So uh, you know, I went I went back to school and. Uh, you know, my plan is to become a. To, I'm studying, you know, uh, psychiatric oncology. So, to you know, to so becoming a. Oh wow. A psychiatrist who works with cancer patients and works with. Oh their, wow, that's awesome to hear. That's awesome. So and, I'm, and you know, how about the stand-up yeah. stage? You still, still, uh, still hitting the stage. <clears throat> no, I I stopped doing stand-up. Um, I stopped doing stand-up when I moved out of New York, um, because I made a really shitty independent movie. Um, which like fortuitously is called hacks. So like the name's everywhere now. Still not in IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> so like the, um, so I've been having fun, you know, taking credit for the show, like for the last couple of months, you know, cause the show is very yeah. successful. Um, but even though the, there's an HBO show now, right? But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so yeah. because that's successful, I always go, well, you know, I, I wrote and directed hacks. <laughs> like, Shit, really? Like, yeah. And I'm not lying. Uh, true statement. See, Check it out. Okay. Look it up. Theoretically, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's talk about SNL because SNL is, is losing four major cast members: yeah. Pete Davidson, Amy Bryant, um, Kyle Mooney, uh, to name a few. Um, what are your thoughts on, as a former uh, SNL writer, what are your thoughts on how SNL has evolved over the years? I mean, you know, I think it's the whole history of it has ebbed and flowed. Like they're just because mm-hmm. um, even like the, even the seasons that are, I was there, um, you know, when you mentioned the cast members that were there when I was there, it sounds like a dream team because it was like Chris Farley and David Spade and yes. Sandler and Phil Hartman. Right. Yeah. And so um, so it was like but the season was bad. You know, it was um you know the the sort of way that they picked sketches changed at that time and it became less it became less of a democracy and more of of Lauren deciding on his own what was going to be what was going to be good and uh it's not a not a slight against him but it was just like it, it was better when when you kind of pick the skits based on who's laughing you know um and uh and so I think the show has gotten like, you know, it went through some down, like people don't even realize the season after I left, Janine Garofalo was a cast member, Sarah mm-hmm. Silverman, yeah. like people that you don't even think associate with SNL, you know, um, even like one of the kids, I can't remember, Michael, Michael something from Kids in the Hall mm-hmm. was a cast member. Um, so it was like, it, it went through some weird seasons and I think we're just kind of in that stage right now. And I like to me i look at the new season i go yeah like bo and yang is super funny i think yeah um you know i don't i can't remember her name Uh, chloe Feynman, i think chloe Feynman. yeah i really funny and beautiful and i think she's gonna be like i think she's gonna sort of step up you know um they, they have like a lot of talented uh people that i think just haven't had the shot yet um and some that i've I'm perplexed on why they're there, but I won't mention any names. <laughs> you yeah. can say it. You can say no, it. Nice in industry. Got to be nice in industry. I think, <laughs> <laughs> Kate McKinnon, I think, is a big loss for, for SNL. Huge, 
huge yeah. loss. And I think if Chloe Fina can step up to, to that that level, that she level. might be able to. I really do yeah. think she might be able to. And who knows who the feature players will be this next season? You know, it could be. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I've really been impressed with some of those feature players. Uh, James Austin Johnson does a perfect Donald Trump. Uh, oh my God. He's so good. And Amazing. He's great with both of them. And that's what they were looking for for the longest time. They didn't have the, you know, Alec Baldwin's Trump was, you know, it was okay. Yeah, it's a, it, it was, was funny, a caricature. What do you mean it was okay? It was so good. It was good. a caricature, but it, it, was, it was great. It was, it was great, but it was definitely like it. an impersonation. Yeah, it's I'll a character. I, I will not let you badmouth Mr. Baldwin in my mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. He, was, he was amazing. Doesn't he? <laughs> Baldwin's no, he got other amazing. things to deal with. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Right. Yeah, he was. I mean, I thought I thought Baldwin was amazing, but I think, like, as an impression, like, like if you close your eyes and listen to the voice, this this guy that you're talking about, I don't know his name, but uh, is so, like, it sounds like Trump. It's like, whoa, man, that's Jeez, amazing. Awesome yeah. 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 It's. it's impeccable it's yeah. uncanny uh, yeah just reading some of the episodes that you uh, were a writer for uh including alec, ba- alec baldwin kim basinger's episode with ub40 helen hunt snoop dogg nancy kerrigan aretha franklin patrick stewart wow and salt and pepper sarah gilbert <laughs> counting crows and jason patrick and blind melon wow so those <laughs> were the uh, I remember watching the, the hosts of the, the shows that you're accredited for I, i'm seeing here on imdb yeah, I'm sorry. What were you, I, you, I, I think I interrupted Martin for a second. No, I, was, I, I remember seeing the Nancy Kerrigan one. Yeah, that was yeah. a trip, man, because she was yeah. terrible. You know, like she was, <laughs> she was, she was terrible. And and I was really young on when I was there. I was yeah. really young. And uh, and with being young and like sort of doe-eyed about being there. Like I was so easily <laughs> manipulated and like the other writers were like, hey, you know, when Nancy's here, like get behind the curtain and then jump out at her, you know, like it'll be really funny. And I was like, oh, that will be funny. <laughs> Not so funny. Not you so know, like, <laughs> no. It's like, uh, yeah. So, A little bit so of hazing, huh? I, I learned, the, yeah, I learned the hard way, like an idiot. You know. <laughs> That's so fucking. Wow. So I'm reading. I'm seeing here six six episodes. So, so uh, somewhat of a short temp, a tenure on on SNL. Uh, well, it was actually. I think those are the ones that I'm credited for. I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, they grabbed the sketches. <laughs> yeah. They. I don't know. I mean, it was this. It was the season. So the entire um, season. But, there. Nice. Yeah, but I. You know, I didn't. It's hard getting. It's hard getting stuff on. Uh, as you probably know. You know, just yeah. especially as a. Wow, that's still still man, it's still really cool to 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 have been one of the writers. Um, did you ever put your hat in? Some of the writers actually eventually become cast members. Did you ever mm-hmm. campaign to to be in the cast? I, as I well? was really I was really hoping I was yeah. really hoping I would, but uh, I, don't, I don't I don't think it was meant to be. And yeah. and also I think because of my age, like when they they actually fired the whole cast and crew or not the crew but cast and writing crew. Uh, that season because they were just like we're gonna clean house and start fresh the show's not good and uh and like because i was 22 i was i you know and i didn't have anybody around me to go hey you know you could parlay that into something i just was like oh man well i lost the coolest job in the world and then i took a janitorial job in manhattan because i was yeah because i was like i just like i didn't have it i had no self-esteem and i was like uh no one was like, hey, you know, you could go places. And all the other writers went to like Seinfeld and The Simpsons and all yeah. stuff. And I'm just like, 
mopping, you know? <laughs> wow. See, but, I was also going to ask, because, like, SNL is huge, but, like, so is Second City. And it's, like, it's less known in popular culture. But, like, as far as a pipeline for comedic talent, like, the names yeah. that came out of Second City That's are incredible. ridiculous. So, like, I've been dying to ask you about that. Like, are there any key experiences that you love from there or, like, specific people that you dug working with? I mean, I when I was there, like, the – it was it was uh steve carell and stephen colbert were there as performers and i just and i and i was just thinking like <laughs> my, my father actually came to see us do a show <laughs> i remember him saying afterwards and he's probably he's probably happy he's dead at this point but um he, he i remember him saying afterwards he's like i think you and that steve carell guy are really gonna be something and i was like thanks well you know excited so he didn't my dad didn't get to see how that story played out <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh it sort of worked it worked for one of them um, yeah steve but, Krill uh, did okay i hear yeah he did all right that kid landed <laughs> on his feet <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on comedy today um obviously there's a lot of people that get a, some some groups that get offended by certain jokes uh case in point uh dave Chappelle, um you know um uh, with, with, with the trans community um and uh I was just curious how your thoughts on how comedy has evolved, and uh, it seems from outside looking in that you have to be kind of like on eggshells with some of these jokes. You have to be very careful what I mean, you say. Uh, like so, to me, there's like there, there's a real mourning uh, mm-hmm. for me uh, with comedy. Yeah. Because I because I really feel like first of all, if you know comedians you know that they're actually the last people who want to hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, like, you think they'd be the first ones because they're so aggressive, but the, the truth is they're aggressive because they're wounded people, you know. Yeah, and they're so all broken. They're, they're all, all broken. broken, yes. And so, you know, so to me, like, when you take away that voice in society, it, it gets a little scary because I think, you know, comedians are a mirror to 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 the world we live in. And, right. and if you sort of take away what's what's okay to joke about what's not okay to joke about it then you sort of defeat the whole purpose of comedy right. the, whole, the whole point is to sort of give the middle finger to like even if you're not even if you don't believe the things that you're saying just to have the just to instigate or to try to trigger people into thinking things in a different way you know to look at things in a different way um you know like i think about like the shows that we did with the nonprofit that i had in new york um like uh, where we bring comedians to perform, you know, in the homes of people who are terminally ill. We did this, right. like this was post SNL and stuff. Um, but, but I just think like, God, most of that material and most of those comedians couldn't do any of that material today. Um, and, and to me, that's a shame because I feel like you're, you're, you're selling your audience short. Like you're, you're not giving them credit to, to be, you know, sentient adults and go, Hey, I understand that that's irony. I understand that sarcasm. I understand, you know, like, um, and and to me, it's just, that's, that part kind of breaks my heart. You're right. Comedy is such a powerful outlet for grief and all of that. Like, yes, it totally is. It totally is for everybody. I think if you start Mm -hmm. measuring what you can talk about and what you can't talk about, it just, it just takes a lot from it, you know. It's just yeah. it's, sometimes yeah. comedy is like all you have to get through something. Yeah, which I, is yeah, 
could not yeah. agree more. Not yeah. Agree. And, and I watched I watched that closer special guy. You know, it's I don't know, man. I thought it was funny. It was, it was not only funny. He spent the entire special arguing for respect for the trans community. Exactly. And only if you really come through and pick out some like sound bits to make him seem close minded. Right. Like, yeah. It was really, really unfair. I also don't understand the logical paradox of, is say I do a set. Why does somebody in the audience get to decide that I'm joking about 80% of it, but I really mean this 20%? Exactly. So you can string me up for that. Why does the audience get to project truth onto me? Yes. <laughs> so it's like, exactly. Does not make sense. Exactly. Yeah. And it never used to be that way because there wasn't a yeah. platform to to broadcast it all the all the time. Absolutely. And I think you know to to your point, like. I mean, to me, like the 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 weird irony of of all of it is that, you know, this generation, especially for me being in school now at age 52, like, you know, like I'm with a lot of 20 somethings and and, um, you know, there's so much talk about about erasing the binary, like the binary, the gender binary. And 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 I'm all for that, like do whatever the hell you got to do. Love who you need to love. I support that a thousand percent. But the but they're strangely binary about who's evil and who's okay yeah. like there there's no gray area in there whatsoever to go hey you know uh you know glenn glenn made this joke uh, about you know whatever a, a sect of judaism and and uh and who is he to, and who is he to do that or whatever um you know, I mean, I say I'm a Jew, so I can fucking do whatever I want in that department. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but no, but like, um, it's it's amazing that there's such a call for acceptance and inclusion, but yeah. yet, the, yet every comedian, every performer falls into this category of you're you're in or you're out, you're okay or you got to go to the cornfields and never come back again. Right. Which to me is like, I mean, the, like the whole point of life is to be able to redeem yourself and to learn and to mm. evolve. You know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And of course, making, you know, as a comedian, uh, bring a very serious topic of, of cancer and and presenting it in, a, in an entertaining and, and lighthearted way um, mm-hmm. that kind of also falls into it as well, you know, because you, you're, you're taking something that's that's very dark and very, very uh, you know, emotional and, and brings a lot of sadness. But, you know, you're kind of presenting it in a way that, that that's um, a learning experience, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I and I think the people need to realize mm-hmm. that, like, that just like adding light to mm-hmm. a situation doesn't mean you take it lightly necessarily. You yeah. know, like, mm-hmm. like, like I'm joking about cancer. There's not there's not a lot that I find particularly funny about cancer, but I will definitely <laughs> joke about it um, because because there's a lot of pain and and laughter is all about the release of stress and so you know you're building up all this tension and fear and everything and if like you give people permission to laugh like just that even in those few seconds man it was such a relief i think wow was your dad the same way what's that was your dad the same way my dad was um yeah, he was, um, you know, it's funny because he was like, he was a psychoanalyst. So he was like a, like a, a hardcore, like, you know, weird kind of mental health, uh, like freak. Uh, <laughs> um, but he was, but he had a really good sense of humor and a really uh, kind of dark sense of humor. I don't think he was ever as dark as I was, but toward the end, he started to get pretty dark. Uh, like it, it was funny because in the book I wrote a lot about the shit that I would say to him during that time, and 
my agent and the and you know editors were like you you can't put that in there <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't leave it that's like and i'm like why not that it happened and like yeah but it's that's a lot man like that this is an amazing amazing interview of course you can check out um yes your book cotton teeth at, at your favorite book retailers and um we really appreciate you uh being here on below the belt show thank you and that. uh if we could before we end let us know who you are do a little plug um plug for your book and you're on below the belt show you can end with a catchphrase a joke or wherever fuck you want at the end <laughs> <laughs> you want me to say you're on the you're on the beyond the belt show below the belt show below oh be, what did i say beyond be, the belt yeah oh i kind of like that that's nice um <clears throat> You're on the. This, this and then, the, of course, announce my, your name and, and yeah. your accolades and all that good stuff. This is this is Glenn Rockwitz. You're on the Below the Belt show, and uh, you know what? There's nothing better than all pretty much everything I do in life. It's just fucking awesome, like me particularly. So you should follow me wherever I go because I'm really great, and and this is part of my therapy. Uh, with my with my therapist that I'm working on my self-esteem and so I'm trying to swing the pendulum the other way by reminding people that I'm great even though I know that I'm a piece of shit um so yeah have, god bless <laughs> <laughs> can you do that one more time but throw in the book as well oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh this is Glenn Rockowitz with Below the Belt and uh I'm honored to be here and check out my book Cotton Teeth it is uh wherever independent books are sold or you could sell your soul to the devil and get it on Amazon. Uh, that's up to you. I, I have no issue. You know, we're, we're cool. I, I will hug you when I see you publicly. That was awesome. Well done. I love it. Awesome. Glenn, thank you so much. Thank you. You have a good night. I wish you lots of luck, lots of in your new career. Also lots of uh, good health and good vibes thank you. and thank you. Prayers, whatever you very inspiring. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you, you've all been very kind. And I really appreciate it. Thank Let's you. Take a nice uh, snapshot here on the count of three. One, two, and smile. There it is. Awesome. All right, Glenn. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, everyone.